Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Uh, today, David Morrison and I wrap up our Pathways to Presence series. Uh, it's a there's been 12 topics, and the one to end the year is uh, celebration and um, how that plays in our spiritual development. Um, although it might seem kind of corny or odd. On the surface level, um, we kind of try to delve a little bit deeper and what it means. But before we get into that, there's a bunch to celebrate on this end. Thank you to everyone that has listened to the podcast. Uh, we This year, we had the most listeners we ever had. Uh, thank you to everyone that supported David and I uh, publishing the book, Desolate Beauty, the book of light and shadow. Uh, you can actually go to Away com to pick up your copy of that but thank you we are very grateful um, thank you to danny west he has done all our editing and sound engineering um, for these episodes thank you to jacob nedia at monk drums that's what you hear in the background uh, if you want to learn more about desert rain community the ruined.com is the place to go drcrpod.com is the place to go to catch other episodes or whatever podcatcher you found this episode on Uh, They should all be there. Uh, Please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. I hope you have a wonderful end of your year and roll into the new year. Um, Happy, healthy, and whole. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. David Morrison. Hola, sir. Happy Thursday. Yeah, didn't feel like whatever, a Thursday. Yeah, whatever day it is. The last, well, I think it's the Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's time. me off. Yeah, me too. Um, so this will post, if you're listening to this, it's all, it's too late. We've already been overtaken. Um, just kidding. <laughs> this will be posted December 27th. So happy end of year. Wow. We made it through 2022. Uh, this is a continuation of um, Pathways to Presence. It's our last one. Uh, and it uh, the discipline of celebration. Mm. So we're going to celebrate good times. Come on. Good times. <laughs> These are good times. <laughs> Times now I'm 12 years old at the roller rink, <laughs> skating backwards, roller skate. Um, so for you, for us, for me, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think I'm going out to this. Uh, this chapter was felt a little bit corny, yeah, <laughs> on, on a surface level, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, uh, our hope is to kind of go go to the deeper level of it um of this idea of celebration um and for me we we talked about one quote before we turned on the mics um about bypassing misery and and i do want to read that one later but i want to start start off with this this paragraph um i don't i just to be completely transparent i've I've been down the last three or four days with some personal stuff as I've shared with David, but reading this this morning. And so 
reading about celebration on top of that kind of feeling melancholy. (laughs) But this paragraph really jumped out to me and I thought we could use this as a jumping off point. We who follow Christ can risk going against the tide. Let us with abandon relish the fantasy games of children. Let's see visions and dream dreams. Let's play, sing, laugh. The imagination can release a flood of creative ideas and exercising our imagination can be lots of fun. Only those who are insecure about their own maturity will feel such a delightful form of celebration. Um, And that honestly kind of made me think about the book we've put together. Hmm. Um, Your book, Desolate Beauty. Um, But just that, that, that line imagination could release a flood of creative ideas and and just sort of watching you go through that creative process. I know for me personally has sparked my imagination. Yeah. Um, And so sort of with that, I guess with that being a jump off and, Oh, and I guess I should have said this at the beginning, the book we've used this year, (laughs) the map is uh, yeah, the map. It's not a, we haven't been doing a book study. We use the book celebration of discipline uh, the Path to Spiritual Growth by Richard Foster. Uh, he, he has 12, and we've covered one a month. Um, so this will be the last one. You can actually go back and listen to the other ones. Um, but we've used his topics as a map for our discussions. So we we read, listen to um, the chapter, and then we kind of add what what his how it's fed us spiritually. Anyways, so that long intro... Uh, maybe you could start off with uh, sort of that idea of, of celebration for you and and um, kind of what, what came to mind as you revisited this this section uh, for the podcast. Yeah, I think it was uh, influential. I, I mean, I first read this book as a teenager and then used it as a reference book for many mm. years. So when I made the decision to take a monastic approach to my faith. Uh, I took five monastic vows. Uh, uh, I think it was the year 2000. The ye- in the year <laughs> as Conan, 2000. As Conan and Andy would say. Exactly. In the year 2000. <laughs> uh, I think it was then. So yeah, over 20 years ago. And that's also when Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play, apparently. Uh <laughs> And so I took five monastic vows, and the fifth one was celebration. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, so yeah, it had an influence on me, too. Mm. You know, and so, and yeah, and it, it could come across corny because all of us have had the experience. Hopefully, we don't do this to others. We have, we've all probably have, though. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, when you engage someone who's down mm. or in a melancholic state or they're depressed about their circumstances uh to preach at them and tell them rejoice the scriptures say rejoice yeah how about about i rejoice by punching you in the mouth you know how about i throat punch you uh that'll make and so that's that's kind of makes it cheap and Mm. corny um and so it really does need to be a a discipline i think i think so I, i think even culturally we tend towards the negative Mm. That's what sells more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, news cycles are usually, you know, they don't 
look, you know, I mean, there's a couple that have tried uplifting news yeah. and that kind of stuff, but it doesn't work. Yeah, right? it doesn't sell. Yeah, so our society goes towards what would make us angry, what would make us uh, despair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think it does need to be a spiritual discipline to celebrate, to to prime the pump mm-hmm. of your mind, of your heart, so that joy can be found, joy can find you. Uh, in a real way, though, you know, not bypassing, not using it to bypass the realities right. of what you're sad about. Because there are things in the world to feel despair about. Yeah, yeah. That's also true. Yeah, exactly. It's like Bill Burr's bit on Conan again, you know, where he said, he said I was watching the World Series. I can't do his Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. Watching the World Series. And all of a sudden, all these people stand up and they have signs. They're standing up to cancer. Uh, and he's like... I'm just trying to watch a game here. <laughs> Do I have to, can I escape from the horrors of the world for a couple of hours? Uh, but no, you have to invade it even here, you know? Well, uh, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's not funny, but it's funny you say that. Cause I went, when I was in Philadelphia last week, we went to a hockey game and it was the stomp out cancer game. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so in the You're middle like, of the game, yeah. in the middle or not the middle of the game, but during one of the intermissions, everyone stands up with this purple towel they handed out when you walked in, you were supposed to write someone's name on there. And now uh, it's like, damn. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, I mean, and Burr goes on to say, you know, it's like if I, I have a friend who has cancer and it'd be like, uh, you know, me taking you to the, inviting you over to my house and we show you, I show you a movie and then I pause it in the middle of the movie. And then I say, you know, I have this friend who has cancer and I just tell you, and it's like, what the, Bill anyway, sorry. Bill, no, so Bill yeah, so it can be a complicated matter. Well, and I'm interested cause I actually didn't know this until just now, but I'm interested how that, why did you pick celebration as one of your vows? Because the monastic vows that I had taken were, they're very uh, heavy very grave, right? Uh, you know, no, you I'm, you being heavy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe uh, it. I'm trying to lose weight, man. Come on. <laughs> it's not a fat joke. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, when you when you engage things uh, like service to people, you know, pastoral service, uh, obedience to the spirit, um, to live a life of fasting mm-hmm. and prayer. These things are very, very serious things, right? And so celebration was to was very important to, to kind of summarize all of them. Yeah. To live a a joyful life mm-hmm. uh, through the vehicle of monastic expression, um, and so so that's yeah. So there needs to be room to not take yourself too seriously. That mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that. I think that's a big yeah. thing. I think I do too. religious people. I think anybody on the spiritual journey or religious journey, uh, that is a major obstacle mm-hmm. is, is taking yourself, uh, too seriously. And I, I recently, somebody asked me, uh, how's your spiritual life? And, and no one's asked me that in such a long time. It was, it kind of took me aback a little bit. And I, and I said, uh, I, I don't put my finger on that pulse anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not something, uh, I'm interested in, you right. know, uh, He's like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, well, what does it matter? How many hours, whatever I put into study or prayer? You know, we just, there, there comes a point where you don't, you need some nonsense in your life. Yeah. You need to not take yourself so seriously so that you can advance in those things. Mm-hmm. 
So anyway. Well, and it's funny too, because one of the things, I mean, he kind of, he, he, he definitely touches on that about not, not being so serious yeah. all the time. And the one, the example he gave was his friend who, who was going through some medical problems and, and purposefully watched things that made him laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I haven't done this. I can't remember the last time I've done this, but there was a point in my life where when, if I started feeling a cold coming on, I would do the same thing. I would, and I would purposely watch Eddie Murphy, either raw or delirious. Cause I knew regardless of how many times I've seen that I would, there would be t- belly laughs yeah. in that. Yeah. And it was like, sort of, you know, is it, you like eat chicken soup and drink seven up when you're getting cold and I would watch something funny. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if it helped with the cold coming on or not, No, it's a but coping mechanism. Yeah. But the laughter within it would just, it would, yeah. it, it was something transformative about it. And it, it was very interesting to then, you know, cause I, this, to me, this is a, a relatively, uh, quote unquote serious book you know yeah. it's not meant to be so for him to add that an- antidote in about his friend um was a good reminder for me yeah because i need i need i need that well i embrace nonsense a lot but um there's something about being reminded of this laughter celebration yeah. creativity imagination all these different things um that for me personally doesn't always Going back to what you just said about someone asking you about your spiritual life, I don't always connect those to my spiritual life. Yeah. Even though I know when I when I stop to think about it, I know those things are imperative to my spiritual life. Yeah. If I'm not laughing, then I'm not something something on a deeper level is 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 very wrong. Yeah, it could be a there is some discipline that needs to be mm-hmm. involved. You need to know what your triggers are. Mm. You know, and like Marsha and I dealing with a, you know, a teenage daughter struggling with her mental health on mm-hmm. a very serious, you know, dangerous uh, level, making uh, very dangerous decisions, uh, leaving home at 18 with yeah. no plan. Uh, we, we cannot watch Dateline. Oh, <laughs> we yeah, cannot yeah, yeah, watch, yeah, right. uh, you know, yes, any yes. kinds of these news True crime, true crime podcasts. kind of things, yeah, yeah, because that's a very real possibility, and we don't, and and so we choose not to feed that, yeah, and so comedy and sports is are pretty much, you know, the the things that we would distract ourselves with, uh, and comedy especially very mm-hmm. important, uh, yeah, to to do that it becomes a discipline yeah. in that sense, so yeah, well, and, and I think. Um, having the self-awareness not because I think a lot of people ha- would have that awareness that you just spoke of, but I'm not sure if everyone would be willing to articulate that as a very real thing, right? Yeah. Like to indulge in something such as Dateline, right? Because yeah. I do. So on the opposite end, I, Cobb. I, I, I do listen to Dateline, right? But on none of the scenarios in, in, any way, shape, or form, hit that close to home. Yeah. You know, but I know, like, if my sisters, one of my sisters went missing, 
yeah. or something mysteriously happened to one of my parents. You know exactly. what I mean? Like I don't I probably would not engage with Dateline in the same way. Yeah, I, I don't do. need Keith Morrison's <laughs> voice in my head saying, It was murder. <laughs> that's more that's more Bill Hader doing Keith Morrison. Yeah, 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 exactly. know, I don't need that voice in my head. But that's what you need. You need Bill Hader doing Keith yeah. Morrison. That's yeah, that's exactly. what you need. You know what I mean? And so being able to be realistic about um those types of things and and not that you have to articulate it but but being able yeah. to because i think that goes back to um what you and i have talked about uh about the vulnerability yeah, yeah. right and so if you if you um or not if you you have in the past met other parents that have struggled with similar things with their children yeah. and you guys there there's that instant connection of that right um you know in my in my context you know someone that's struggling with addiction or alcoholism you they don't need to explain to me what they're going through because i've already lived that life you know what i mean and i can just be with them uh in that in that thing in that that tough life thing um one of the things, and we, you and I talked about this a little bit, and I would, I would love to explore it on the podcast as, as much as you're willing to. But one of the things he talks about is the holy laughter, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you and I have talked about your um, experience around, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit going through your different meetings and stuff like that, and. Specifically, we've talked about people speaking in tongues, and um, so I'm just interested to hear your experience with holy laughter um, in and around that that part of your life and that part of your yeah, those wild charismatic days. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we had some wild shit <laughs> going on in our meetings. <laughs> yeah, so this was probably uh, let me think here. This would have been the 90s, 1990s. The wild uh, 90s. I'm trying to remember what we called this uh, phenomenon of... Uh, I, I guess it had different names, but the, the name we had for it was the Toronto Fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we've ta- a, yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, so there was a church yeah. in Toronto, a vineyard mm-hmm. church where, yeah, this... People started laughing uncontrollably, uh, falling on the floor, uh, going into trances, uh, people making animal noises and even right. acting as like <laughs> acting as if. <laughs> and it was just these silly ass meetings that we'd have. And uh, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, one of them was the, the, the Toronto blessing. That's what it was. Called, okay. Yeah, the yeah. Toronto blessing. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so it just kind of swept through the charismatic world, mm-hmm. became very fashionable to to do these things. And, uh, you know, and the Baptists were very angry about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> which, which they were right about that one. No. They're, they're going to be angry anyway. <laughs> right. Because that's their spirituality, is <laughs> to be angry. But uh, uh, but they were right about that one. <laughs> You'll give and them so, points on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, but it was, you know, I just felt like, and, and John Wimber's attitude towards it was, uh, let the, uh, let, let the crop grow up mm. with the weeds. You know, there's a parable that says that, you know, mm. and let God handle the weeds. 
uh, you know, the, and so, you know, and, uh, so that was kind of my attitude as well, uh, which was just, yeah, it was just fun. And, uh, I don't know what it, you know, great things it did. Right. (laughs) And I think I laughed. I think I was laughing. I don't remember. I think I fell, I fell down one time and it was, I, the guy wasn't pushing me and it was a weird thing. I, I can't explain it. You know, it's just that. Charism- I, it's just that charismatic craziness, you know, and I don't apologize for it. No, no, no. And I, and I think, and it's, it's not just a, I, I know, and I couldn't give a timeline, but um, one of my friends told me about this within the last five, 10 years, five years, I guess. Um, but in the new age circle, and maybe it's not just the new age circles, but that's, that's how I know he's familiar with it. Um, is this thing called um, aesthetic dancing? that is caught on where it's it's basically a group of people um i think it's usually outside and they just start there's no music but you just start dancing oh i haven't heard this yeah and it is is peyote involved in this (laughs) i I was gonna say no but (laughs) who who knows marijuana is legal in new mexico (laughs) and there, there is something about engaging with that. Uh, I don't want to say silliness, but um, if you're a very buttoned up person, yeah, or yeah. society like we are, right? You want to put on there. There's something countercultural about yeah. engaging with that, especially in a group. It's one thing For to be sure. be in your room and and laughing, you know, or dancing around right. crazy, but then to get in a community environment, a group environment. And do that stuff. There's and I and just as a disclaimer, I've never participated in um, this this aesthetic. I, I can't remember what it's called, but this this ritual that. But my friend was telling me about it, and just you know knowing him and trusting his uh, authenticity and his his ability to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, it sounded like a very profound thing for him um, in that sense because yeah, that's not his go-to thing, right? Like he's not, not a dancer, so to speak, or not, you know, in your face about stuff. And so going through that ritual with, with a group of people, um, he said it it had opened his eyes about certain things and and freedom, Mm -hmm. freedom about certain, uh, holdups that maybe he had in, in different areas of the life. Right. And, And just moving your body like that in, uh, you know, it's not choreographed. There's no yeah. music. Like everyone just kind of does their own thing. Um, similar to what you just described, right? Yeah, exactly. And, it was, it, it takes away your inhibitions and your, yeah, your, your, uh, ego's drive to mm-hmm. gain respectability and a, and a, and a respectable image of yourself and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, and it, and it's also the, the charismatics would, uh, because we had songs about it and they probably still do right. uh, about uh, the story of King David in the Bible uh, dancing ecstatically before mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant. And, and I guess his underwear fell off or something. <laughs> and, you know, his butt crack if, was showing. If you don't dance until your underwear falls off, are you really, are you really dancing? <laughs> are you even though? dancing? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so he tore his fruit of the looms and, and so his wife was angry at him for doing this and, and told him, you're a fool. You look like a fool. And, uh, and he basically said, you know, I, the, the ark of the Lord was returning mm. 
and I had to dance. I had to. Yeah. You know? and, and then there was that town, you know, that documentary, uh, <laughs> that town where no one was allowed to dance. And then Kevin Bacon showed up. And, Kevin Bacon saved And said, day. David danced. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> and basically, Kevin Bacon is the second coming of Christ. Yeah. So, so it all, yeah. It all fits. It all. Yeah. It was that documentary in the 80s called Footloose. <laughs> And so, I yeah. think they made a, they did a, I don't actually, I don't, I'm not going to say that because I'm not sure if it's I true. think they did. Yeah. A reboot of it. But it wasn't uh, it like a remake of in it? Cuba or something like that. <laughs> but that, that part might be wrong. I think you're thinking Havana Nights, a Dirty <laughs> yeah, Dancing. Yeah. You're thinking Dirty oh, Dancing, dirty, yeah, Havana same, same. Nights. <laughs> Footloose, Dirty Dancing, same, all, same. Yeah, it was the same thing, wasn't <laughs> They're it? They're just dancing around. I had the time of my life. Cue the water. <laughs> that was Jennifer Gray. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus, I lost my, my train of thought. Uh Oh, yeah, the things that make for celebration. Yeah, dancing and laughter, nonsense. And I know you and I have talked about doing a, a full episode on this, but it just it kind of fits in here on a certain yeah, level. It does. But this idea of being foolish or like yeah, a fool exactly. for Christ, the holy fool tradition. Yeah. yeah. What how, What is your understanding of that and sort of the quote unquote purpose of it? Yeah, Christianity definitely has the, a tradition of the, what the, we call the holy fool. Uh, Buddhism does too. Uh, I'm, Probably I, I, every. In fact, every world religion has has it. Because uh, even because the Sufis in Islam are would be uh, considered ecstatic fools, kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it's it's a tradition of uh, of not taking it too seriously, being a little bit of a trickster. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, I mean, Jesus totally was a holy fool in that sense. Of, well, yeah, and it Foster even touches on that. Yeah, his, his, his uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, is it's very much like uh, in the tradition of, of Jewish comedy, which is a long tradition. It's a long history of Jewish comedy. And it continues. And it, yeah, and it's better than ever. <laughs> We're in the middle of it. <laughs> as long as Mel Brooks is in the world, it's a good thing. Uh, yeah, and so... Uh, you know, we're saying almost nonsensical things, and I think we talked about that parables and yeah, that and kind that, of thing. that will. So that was released at the beginning of this month. In fact, that that reminds me. Uh, uh, years ago, before COVID and uh, and my own health issues, I was a fairly regular participant in the interfaith group mm, right, in, in right. El Paso. I'm making my way back. If they're listening, if anybody listening <laughs> on there. Uh, I just, I'm COVID shy still. Uh, but uh, I, I was very interested in the poetry of Rumi, who's mm, a Sufi. Right, right. Uh, in the Middle Ages. And um, and uh, the the director of the, I think it's called the Turkish Rain House. Um, I forgot the name of it. Uh, in El Paso. He, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was representing... Uh, Islamic faith to our group and he was he brought a group of Sufis actual Sufis from Turkey uh, to El Paso to at the Civic Center Abraham Chavez theater to oh wow to dance and he gave me a ticket gave me a couple of tickets so I was very excited and and uh, showed up and and so they they do this the, the whirling dervishes uh, you know they, they wear the the red uh, 
I don't even know what kind of hat you would call that. Kind of a, a, you know, no brim to the hat. And, and they spin and they tilt their heads to the degree that the earth is on its axis, which is amazing. Wow. And they, and they do the spinning. They're the, they're the whirling dervishes. And it's, and it's a, an expression of worship and joy. Uh, and I was mesmerized, but I was just completely blown away. It was a performance, but to them it wasn't a performance. But right. the audience didn't really get it. So yeah. we're next to this group of a family nearby with kids. Thought I guess they ended up with tickets, and so they're eating popcorn and they're getting <laughs> angry. They're getting get, pissed off. Get your popcorn not, Do ready. something interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they wanted. The, I think they were expecting like a uh, circus. Olay. Yeah, yeah. Those guys that. <laughs> That, that jump from pole to pole. Yeah, I think they were waiting for something like that. And I think that was the attitude of most of the audience. And so, I, and I'm sitting here having a, a profound experience watching this. I can, yeah, I can't even. Uh, I felt the presence of God very powerfully in this experience. And so that's an expression. Those are, yeah, of the holy fools and dancing. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, definitely a holy fool. Uh I can't, you know, there, there's, well, the, there's so many of them. Well, it's funny we, because we do a whole podcast on it. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about it for months and just yeah. haven't, haven't ended up doing it, but it's funny. I took a screen grab from Instagram, surprisingly enough last week. Uh, and the quote's not the, that impressive, but the person said it, it caught my eye and, and reminded me of this holy fool idea. If you disdain even one person, you are far from the heavenly kingdom. And that Saint Gabriel, the confessor and fool for Christ, hmm. um, is what is it said to have said that? But just that fool for Christ, yeah. For what it, I, it just, it just, it, it. I always, I resonate with that <laughs> that idea, and I don't, I don't know, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it obviously says more about me than anything else, but. Um, I feel very connected with that idea. Yeah. yeah and probably because I'm, I'm, that's probably why we've become such friends. Yeah. Because of our tricksters. Trickster. Yeah. And, and just to, before we get too far from it, it's called the Raindrop Turkish House. There it is. Yeah. Uh, Dialogue Institute of El Paso. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, that was the organization that, that, that was brought part the of whirling that. dervishes to El Paso. Yeah. That was quite a few years ago. Yeah, it was before I lived out here because I I definitely would have wanted to yeah, check that out. Maybe 2015, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, so, and we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but I, I do want to revisit it because, um, you know, we, we've talked about it in other episodes about this uh, toxic idea of, of always having to be nice, you know what I mean? Or yeah, always yeah. always having to be happy and... Toxic um, positivity. Yeah. And, and one of the lines, and this is the one I mentioned at the beginning that we both, that have caught our eye, but God's desire is not to bypass the misery, but to transform it. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you could elaborate a little bit on what your understanding of, we engage with this discipline of celebration and we don't ignore the misery or the sadness of life yeah. and, and kind of how that, uh, how that has, how, how you've experienced that, I guess would be the best way to, to preface that. Yeah. You, uh, I don't know. I had a, just a quick memory. I was in a, and I'm not saying I was right or wrong on this. 
probably if I have to ask, I was probably wrong. No, you were right. But it's still funny. <laughs> you were right. Uh, I was in a some group. It wasn't. It wasn't us. It was another church or something. And I, I don't even know why I was there. Uh, and there and they, and it was Christmas time, and they were going around ask what you know each person what they were thankful for and right. what are they looking forward to for Christmas and and this one guy he was just <laughs> I picture him now you know my memory he was wearing all black and looked like Richard Lewis <laughs> uh, and uh, and he said oh Christmas is gonna stink uh, my dad has to work I have a cold my car's not right. working right it's just gonna suck you know and and I, I don't know I, I was just like I I thought it was over the top, you know? And so I said, Hey, I have a question. I said, have you ever eaten yellow snow? And he's all, no. So, well, then there's something you can celebrate right there. You've never eaten yellow snow. Uh, anyway, um, I didn't get invited he, back to that group. Well, and then he started doing a static dance right there when he realized he had never eaten yeah. golden snow. But no, I, I think, uh, like we said, you need to, it's not it's not a fake drumming up of some sort of positivity that completely in an attempt to bypass the negative and the horrific things that go on uh but I think it's a brave rebellious act to to celebrate something very small it doesn't matter what it is to to have a spirit of celebration in the midst of mm-hmm. the horrors of the world uh you know, there, there's that. I, I've never finished the movie because it was too emotional. But uh, life is beautiful. It's, uh, takes place uh, in a, in a concentration oh, camp. Oh, the dad and the and son. And the dad takes up, yeah, yeah stand up yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's, that's a profound problem. stuff, yeah. right? Um, that movie was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and, I, and the example I always use is you know, I, I picture you know, in a Syrian refugee mm. camp, kids are still laughing. They're still playing soccer. Their mother's still trying to make a life for their kids. And, right. Uh, they're not sitting in despair all day long, you know, and that's the crappiest, shittiest place on earth probably. Well, and uh, we've talked about it. I can't remember what episode, but the, um, is it the Iona Creed that talks about the when the sun rises over yeah. the barbed wire? Yeah, you know, and, and I believe in the sun rising over barbed wire. Yeah, yeah, and when I kind of picture that, you know, in the modern day places of barbed wire, you know yeah. what I mean? And they're playing, um, playing, you know, football, soccer, yeah. um, trying, you know, trying to participate in life regardless of what the the immediate outside yeah. looks like and and actually it's I, I haven't shared this with you so it's kind of on the spot but one of our buddies um adu from ghana mm-hmm. uh, finally got asylum i think uh-huh. i shared that with you a few months ago but he was in japan for certain and he finally made it to the united states oh, i talked wow. to him earlier this week and that's awesome um yeah we talked about you know he spent 20 months in the detention center yeah and then he asked to be deported because he didn't yeah he, he didn't want to be in detention anymore yeah and he ended up in japan for almost two years and wow. somehow a lawyer i don't remember one of the universities in boston picked up his case pro bono 
and he ended up getting <laughs> asylum. And That's now he's crazy. Yeah, now he's back. And one of the he had sent letters, and one of the places was like, um, I don't know, I can't. He told me the name of it, but it's in Austin. So he's in Austin. He's working like he's waiting for more paperwork so he can. Wow. Uh, participate in the workforce and stuff like that and it it's reminiscing with him you know because you and i met him through glass yeah you know what i mean and, and talking about possibly going and seeing him in the next couple of months and wow. be able to shake his hand and give him a hug like a human being right yeah, and, yeah. um so that was for me this week that was like a celebration of like even in the that dark moment where he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm done. I'm like, I've had it here. I sat, I sat in this cell for 20 months and nothing, you know, I've been yeah. denied. And then, you know, fast forward three years. Yeah. And he's back and he's living, you know, I don't know if Austin is the four place years. you want to live in. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. It's he has plans. Than, it's better. Yeah. It's better, better than, than the, than the fucking Otero. ice unit. <laughs> Yeah. The Otero oh, Detention Otero. Center. <laughs> yeah. You know? And and you know, it wasn't like he had, you know, yeah, he had to go back to Ghana, but he was able to to be to leave to Japan. And in his time in Japan, he was safe there, right? And so right, right. he was he was still even when things looked bleak, he was still able to engage with life, yeah. right? And still still participated. Um and it for him, it was a life or death type of thing, but it was it you can get you can choose despair yeah or you can choose life like you know from the conversations i've had with him it seems as though that that was his choice right he made it a d- discipline to yeah. regardless of what it looked like i'm going to engage in the here and now yeah and that, i think that's what celebration is mm. is is that choice to engage in the here and now and celebrate whoever's in front of you and enjoy them in some way. Uh, you know, I, I think in our society, generally, you know, in, in North American culture, mm-hmm. uh, I think competition is mm. is is the curse, right? It's it's we see everything competitively. So to not do that and to just enjoy a person in front of you, just to enjoy a person. Uh, you know, and to have an incremental relationship with success. Yeah. Because we're all or nothing, right? If I can't succeed at A, B, and C, then I'm a, I'm a failure at life altogether. So change your relationship with success and make it a more incremental, uh, not a win-lose yeah. kind of thing. And, uh, and, and yeah, very small steps. Celebrate very small things. Well, the way it's been presented to me... Well, I guess it, it's it, it's just sort of a culmination of things. That, so when I engage in that competition from a place of lack, like there's a, yeah. a finite amount of stuff that can happen. It breeds jealousy. It breeds, you know, you and I are friends, but it, it can breed this like him versus me mentality, yeah, exactly. even amongst friends and family. Um but then when I focus on, and it, I'm not saying I do this regularly, it's, a, it's, it's tough for me, but when I focus on the infinite, def, uh, the infinity that comes from the divine, oh, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the bigger, the cosmo, um, 
so that the, the, there doesn't need to be any competition between you right. and I because the infinite that is with me is also the infinite that's with you yeah. and the infinite that's with even my enemy, right? Like I, if I believe that that exists, I can't yeah. then say, well, not for that guy or that girl yeah. or not for that group of people, right? And so that's one of the things that that I, I try to continuously work on is, um, and it's kind of cliche, especially in the self-help group, but like it's only the only competition you have is yourself and yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of, so it can get kind of cliche, but it's kind of true. If, if we're thinking about this incremental success, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I, I want to reach this goal six months, five years down the line, whatever yeah. it is. Did I make a little bit closer step today in that? And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes it's no. Right. But it's, it's, I don't have to beat myself up around the nose um yeah or are these gauges you know i need to be at this place mm, in my life yeah 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 at right, this age yeah. or it's else like, yeah. yeah and it's just like no that'll prevent you from celebrating the here and now kind of thing yeah but if i don't plan ahead <laughs> no you'll you'll the plan will come <laughs> yeah it's not gonna you know you're not gonna sit on your couch uh, you know and, and do nothing something will happen you know so and it's and also to remember too, your my timeline isn't going to be the same as someone else's timeline. Exactly. So even this idea of like, oh, by the age of twenty five, I have to have done yeah. this. It's like, well, no, not not really, because, uh, I mean, not to get macabre, <laughs> some people don't live to twenty five. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're and, not guaranteed and, anything. And that doesn't dismiss whatever they did or accomplished during their lifetime, yeah. um, regardless of how big or small it is. Um, but it's. It's easy to get in that, especially with our um, same thing, this North American idea of like celebrity obsession with celebrities yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's very easy to be like, oh, well, that person did that by then. It's like, well, you're not that person. Yeah. Like, come, come back, come back to the here and now, which is much easier said than done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Um. We still have a, a, a good amount of time, but is there anything else that, that sort of jumped out um, to you from from the this chapter um, that we haven't really, really touched on um, or anything you would like to elaborate on that that felt interesting or? Uh, no, I mean, I, I was appreciative of the line that you read, you know, the. Uh, Celebration is not an attempt to bypass suffering. That's not what it's you're trying to do here. Uh, it's in the midst of suffering, you know, and it comes down to uh, the the spiritual reality of the Eucharist, which is the, it's the cup of joy and sorrow. Mm. It's all one cup, uh, and so, so yeah. Well, and and um, I mean, it's well documented on this podcast about some of the things you've you've gone through health wise. Yeah. Has there been anything specific um, as far as this place of celebration that you were able to connect with, even in the midst of some of those health challenges or the, you know, those dark yeah. moments that uh, maybe not uh, the moment might not seem that obvious, but the celebration was still there for whatever reason. Yeah, I think we might have talked about it 
you know, being in the hospital during COVID for two weeks, you know, no one can visit me. And, uh, every day it was like, uh, the, the story was getting worse and worse. You know? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I go in there for sciatic hip pain <laughs> and they, in that night they tell me, well, your kidneys are failing. Oof. And then the next couple of days, they're like, well, hard. you're going septic. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so I'm like, <laughs> you know, and so I'm calling Marsha, you know, Oh, the, the latest news, I'm going septic on top of kidney failure, on top of the hip, the pain, extreme pain in my hip. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, and then, and then a heart attack, mm-hmm. but I had a heart attack this morning and then, uh, you know, and then they do a, a t- heart catheter test and look in my heart and they, and they're like, you're hundred percent blocked. So it was like, and you need a triple bypass surgery. So that whole two weeks, you know, just terrible news being in extreme pain. Yeah. I'd never experienced that much pain. Uh, and I've experienced some pain, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've been through pain. Yeah. But that was, yeah, <laughs> that was, next that was level. the most painful thing. I mean, they sawed my sternum in half and that wasn't as painful as the hip. Right. Sciatic pain. Well, even just us driving to the hospital. Yeah. It was, it was a live electric li- wire Oof. or a live electric bolt shifting shoot, around in my body. Your body. Um, you know, and then, so, and then being in the fear of COVID. Right. On top June, of everything else. And no one there to support me. Uh, and so. Yeah. Cause Marsha couldn't even take a bag of stuff to you. No, she had to leave yeah. it at the front desk. And no one could visit. Yeah. So, so yeah, I had to be very intentional about it. And, and so what I did, like, like intentionally did was whoever comes in the room, I'm going to, to observe as, as much as I can of their presence Mm -hmm. and try to make them laugh somehow. That's my, that's what I'm going to do. So laughter, uh, was one thing. And then the other was breathing. Mm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be very aware of my breathing and my prayer is going to be breath, uh, and then the third was being still, you know, learn to make my body still. I never turned on the TV, intentionally did not turn right. on the TV. Uh, didn't look at the news that much uh, on my phone, mm-hmm. really. So it was it was really just, now it's time to really do your your, yeah. your work, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the fire drill is over and, and yeah, the fire is yeah. here, so, so do the practice. Exactly. I did listen to music on the speaker phone, you know, on the phone speaker kind of thing. And that was very, very helpful. Uh, love Robbie Robertson's <laughs> album, uh, uh, music for native Americans. Nice. Though I'm not, I'm not native, but I love that album. Yeah. So yeah, that album really, I don't know. It just spoke to me during that time. Well, and it's very interesting too, because you have shared the story about the laughter thing, but, but it's so, it's so relevant to this topic in the sense of like, I witnessed you in that pain, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, <clears throat> getting, you know, I didn't get the updates from you, but, you know, being here with Marsha and talking to her, yeah. you know, and just eat, like you said, each day, like, oh, like <laughs> it would be like, oh, maybe they'll release them tomorrow. And yeah. then, you know, the next day there was a little bit. The news had gotten a little bit more. Like, oh, yeah, so maybe, by that maybe point, they'll release them in two days. <laughs> so at that point, I had to, yeah, I had to make a, I had to make phone calls, right, and say yeah. goodbye to yeah. people because I didn't expect to get out of there alive, yeah. you know. And so, 
Uh, yeah. And, and to still be able to, to do both of those things, right? Like stay in the moment, listen to music, try to make yeah. people laugh. And say goodbye to my friends. And still, right. And still like the other side of that coin is it not, it's not macabre. It just, it was the reality. Yeah. Like, yeah. Still be able to make, get out of here. Yeah. Make those phone calls and, and express your, you know, your love and, and care for those individuals. Yeah. Um, is, uh, I think that that story right there sort of encapsulates the idea behind this, this chapter. Yeah. This discipline. Like, uh, life is serious. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, and when you can, celebrate. And don't, that, that was the other thing. I, I guess uh, I, that was one thing I would add is him talking about not trying to force that celebration on other people, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not like, a good, good. Like, like I read, uh, you know, I love Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese yeah. who just passed away a few years ago, I think, right? A year ago, I think so. Yeah, uh, you know, I've read several relatively. of his books, and and yeah, and he'll say he'll make statements like, uh, you know, if you want enlightenment, uh, don't listen to melancholic songs. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. Hey, it's come on, sad songs. Haven't you heard Elton John? Sad songs say so much, man. So, yeah, so to to push it on others, it, it's it can be just you know, demonstrate it, yeah, yeah. so. Uh, you know, uh, if you see someone that's down, you know, try to distract them with something small and nonsensical and, and, and just be a, a refuge for them in that mm -hmm. sense, instead of preaching to them. Well, you really, you know, it's like, it's like going up to an insomniac, you know, someone who has a sleep disorder and they can't sleep and you tell them, Hey, have you tried lying in bed real still and closing your eyes? <laughs> Have, you know, have, like, you, have you tried working out real hard during the day? Yeah, so yeah. That you're tired you know, at night, uh, and it's like, yeah. How about I punch you? <laughs> so well, yeah, you just don't do that to people. Don't or or uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, well, um, I mean that that's yeah. That's all I really had for it. But I know you you had a, a reading you wanted to to share um, to sort of close this yeah. out. So I don't know if you want to set that up and. Yeah, the chapter, the, the idea of celebration, and even the monastic vow I took uh, for celebration, the fifth vow, uh, really reminds me of of, of a, a theme that Thomas Merton wrote about mm -hmm. quite a bit, which is everything that is, the, the entire cosmos is a dance. Oh, wow. It's the cosmic dance. And it, and it connects to the Christian idea of God, which has yeah. trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, which which uh, in the in the Greek era of the church, early church, uh, it was called the perichoresis, the, yeah. the singing, dancing circle of God. So God is community. God is this spinning, turning circle of of uh, a dance. Right. And so you're invited to participate in this dance. Mm. What a way to see the the world, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, way. You know, and I, and I was looking yesterday uh, at uh, Pythagoras, the the philosopher uh, from uh, 600 BC, something like that. A squared plus B squared equals C <laughs> squared, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and he was saying, yeah, the mathematics uh, of of the heavenly bodies, the spheres, the celestial cosmos, is mathematic, 
And so therefore, it's the singing, dancing cosmos, you know. So this is an amazing idea to, to see. Well, I, I, not only is it an amazing idea, just the how long it's been in the human consciousness. Exactly, yeah. It's not like a new idea. Yeah, yeah, you look at ancient ancient ruins now, uh, Stonehenge, uh, um, and the positioning of these things. Yeah, it was it was in position to the the movement of, of the, the stars, the moon and the mm-hmm. sun and the earth. And yeah, it's amazing, right? It's um, beautiful. So yeah. So in his book, uh, new seeds of contemplation, it's like the last chapter. <clears throat> I think it's the end of the book. Maybe not. Anyway. And the book's written by Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton. Just to- yeah. And you know, he was writing this in the fifties. So he uses mankind, <laughs> men, man does this. So as James Finley says, uh, forgive them. They didn't know any better back then. <laughs> Just how they spoke. So uh, should I censor it and change it or should I read nah, it as? All right. Re- read it as It's it a little is. bit lengthy, but I, I think if you're driving, you'll, you'll enjoy this. Uh, so he, Thomas Merton writes, what is serious to men is often very trivial in the sight of God. What in God might appear to us as play is perhaps what he himself takes most seriously. At any rate, the Lord plays and diverts himself in the garden of his creation. And if we could let go of our own obsession with what we think is the meaning of it all, we might be able to hear his call and follow him in this, in this mysterious cosmic dance. We do not have to go very far to catch echoes of that game and of the dance. When we are alone on a starlit night, when by chance we see the migrating birds in autumn descending on a grove of junipers to rest and eat, when we see children in a moment when they are really children, when we know love in our own hearts, or when, like the Japanese poet Basho, we hear an old frog land in a quiet pond with a solitary splash. At such times, the awakening, the turning inside out of all values, the newness, the emptiness and the purity of vision that make themselves evident provide a glimpse of the cosmic dance. For the world and time are the dance of the Lord's in emptiness. The silence of the spheres is the music of a wedding feast. The more we persist in misunderstanding the phenomena of life, the more we analyze them out into strange finalities and complex purposes of our own the more we involve ourselves in sadness, absurdity, and despair. But it does not matter much because no despair of ours can alter the reality of things or strain the joy of the cosmic dance, which is always there. Indeed, we are in the midst of it, and it is in the midst of us, for it beats in our very blood whether we want it to or not. Yet the fact remains that we are invited to forget ourselves on purpose, cast our awful solemnity to the winds, and join in the general dance. That beautiful stuff, huh? It's perfect. Not a bad way to live your life. Let's get it. Uh, thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. <clears throat> uh, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Muchos appreciatos. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background, Monk Drums. And uh, yeah, just once again, thank you to all the listeners. Yeah, we appreciate your, um, your patronage. 
this will, like I said, this will be the last one for 2022. And uh, everyone that has spent even even listening to one episode, even even 10 minutes of our our conversations, uh, for me, it's very humbling. And uh, just have huge gratitude because I really, really love doing this. And uh, I appreciate you too, yeah, David, uh, you. doing this for the last uh, two years. Two-year adventure. And headed into the third. Adventures in podcasting. <laughs> And book publishing. <laughs> and book publishing. That's the other thing. That's the other thing. Dreamwalkerway.com. Check us out. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you all. And we will uh, be with you next week.